glass window that's up in the gym. Miss um, Pearson uh, had it up there in memory of Glenwood, her husband. And if you're visiting with us, perhaps you've never you know know the picture that I'm talking about. But as you go up into the gym, it's it's in behind. It, it faces this street on Chestnut, but it's in behind the walkway. And so, in order to fully see it you have to go and stand underneath it and you have to look up and when you see the dove is descending down so it's very powerful if you've never done that I do almost every Sunday morning before the early service I walk over there and look up and just invite the Holy Spirit to come so if you've never experienced that I encourage you to go up and look at that stained glass window but when you go to it you're going to have to look up the sermon title this morning is a question. Who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? And we may take that as natural, and certainly as parents and grandparents, we would encourage our youth to be careful who you walk with. It matters. They can have influence for good or bad. But in the spiritual realm, who are you, who are you walking with? I want us to talk about the Holy Spirit just for a moment because on Wednesdays in our Bible study, we've been studying the book of Joel. We finished it on Wednesday, and We'll be starting the book of Amos. We're looking at the 12 voices of truth, the minor prophets. And so Amos will be begin this Wednesday morning as well as Wednesday night. I encourage you to come join us in the book of Amos. But in the book of Joel, there is a powerful prophecy that was given in Joel that there would be the coming of the day of the Holy Spirit. Well, we know we're 2,000 years on this side of the New Testament. You know that that was fulfilled in Acts, the second chapter. Prophecy was given in Joel almost 800 years. Jesus said you need to go and wait until you be endued with power from on high. That was fulfilled in Acts, the second chapter. Simon Peter got up and stood. What you've seen today, the falling of the Holy Spirit on all of those believers, this is what was said by the prophet Joel. So there's your quick lesson. Who are you walking with? This Sunday, World Communion Sunday, Christians all over the world, we're going to acknowledge here in just a moment what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so together, all over the world, different nationalities, different tribes, different denominations that we have all of our different opinions on certain things. But when you come to this table, we all acknowledge that the forgiveness of our sins is found only in the body and in the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's at the heart of you and I being invited to this table. Now that provides that atonement, the cross that we just sang about. It provides salvation for us. We don't have to die in our sins. We can be forgiven. But Something else that the atonement and the cross and the risen empty tomb provides for us is not only salvation, but sanctification. The sanctifying work in the presence of the Holy Spirit within the believer's life. The scriptures teach us that not only does the cross and the atonement and the empty tomb and the death of Christ provide forgiveness, but that God in His grace also provides for us His very Spirit. I, every time I preach on the Holy Spirit, I, I feel so inadequate. But again, it is mind-boggling to me that this was God's plan we know that the Holy Spirit's always been around. He was present in the Old Testament. But Jesus said that He has been with you, but He's going to be in you. So we know something happened on the Acts, the second chapter, that the Holy Spirit would come. 
And so now not only would we get saved, but now he does this sanctifying work within us, or at least we should allow that to happen. We don't have to. He's a gentleman. We can quench him. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't have to let him into our life. You don't have to let him in today. But I want you to know it's provided for us through the cross. We can be forgiven. We can walk in salvation. But we should be and must be and need to be walking in sanctification of God's Spirit. Jesus said something in John 16, 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Remind you that in John 14, chapter 15, 16, and 17, you can go in there and you can read bits and pieces of understanding of who Jesus described the Holy Spirit to be. The Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, it's your advantage that I go to the Father, that I die on the cross for you, because if I do and I go away, I'm going to send you somebody else, because you need help being a Christian. So I'm going to send you the helper. Matthew, the third chapter. I'm going to read in just a moment something that John the Baptist said. This statement that I'm about to read is in the Bible six times. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And twice in the book of Acts, it describes this when John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Again, that's repeated six times. He must want us to get that. This is part of the work that he'll do in the atonement and the cross. It not only provides salvation, but the work of the promise, the work of the Spirit coming into our hearts and lives. Now, after that day came, and then we have the New Testament, people began to ask questions, the church did, and now how am I, am I supposed to operate in the sanctifying work of God's Spirit? And so I'm about to read from Galatians. You can read all six chapters in the book of Galatians. It talks a lot about the work of the Spirit. And having faith not only in Jesus Christ, but faith of the promise of the Spirit. So in Galatians 3.14, you don't have this on the screen, but it simply says this, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. All the Gentiles in Gadsden. That doesn't say that in the Scriptures, but that's what it's talking about. Because I don't know that there are any Hebrew or Israeli people here this morning. We're Gentiles. And so this blessing has been given to us by faith. So we are children of Abraham by faith. It was accounted unto him unto righteousness. So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Who are you walking with? Now the text that I want us to look at. I'm going to read it slowly. and We're going to just mull over it. And this is in Galatians the fifth chapter. Verses 16 through 26. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wrestle with that statement just for a moment. God spoke to you and said, I want you to walk in the Spirit. Because if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which meaning must be possible that if we're not walking in the Spirit, we might just be fulfilling the lust of the flesh. But we need to walk in the Spirit. He's going to give us some more details. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. 
and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Have you ever felt yourself in that struggle in your journey with Christ? We know that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. He told us that in John. So that's why we know that when we do things that we shouldn't do and then conviction comes and we ask for forgiveness, we repent of that and then again we know that we need to be walking in the Spirit. But these two are contrary to one another. But then he says in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. The law can't save you. We don't need to do away with the law. The Ten Commandments are just as relevant today as they've ever been because we humans need a standard. So we don't do away with the law. We keep the law, but we're not saved by the law. We're saved by grace through Jesus Christ. We accept Him. So those who are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then He's going to give us a list of things that are in the flesh and then an extreme contrast about the Holy Spirit. Here's the list. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. I don't exactly know why the Holy Spirit chose to list the first four all have to do with human sexuality, but they are. They're all dealing with sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. But then the list goes on. Verse 20, idolatry. Idolatry and forms of idolatry have happened and occurred in every generation. And we're no different. Whatever we put or worship above God becomes an idol to us. Sorcery. Hatred. Hatred. Contentions. And jealousy. So, so often so many are consumed with jealousy. It's of the flesh, it's not of the spirit. Outbursts of wrath, selfish, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, envy. We live in a world that promotes envy, envy and power, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like which I tell you beforehand just as I told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. As I say the word practice, say it out loud. Didn't know if y'all was listening to me or not. Now I know you're listening. You're not supposed to practice those things supposed to be walking in the spirit so that we're not led to fulfill the things of the flesh and so he gives us a list so we don't have to be confused about it that these are things of the flesh but we don't need to be practicing these things because those who practice them are not going to inherit the kingdom of God then we like this part this is more enjoyable to read but there's an extreme the spirit of God's written here in extreme contrast and so he tells us in verse 22 but the fruit, it's singular, F-R-U-I-T, not an S. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness 
and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control. There's not a conjunction. There's not the word and there. I'll come back to the word fruit because it's singular. So in other words, this is what he produces. This is what he produces. This fruit, the very essence of who he is, can be produced within us by the work of sanctification. Against such there is no law. Verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become, which means possibly, apparently we can, we need to walk in the Spirit, but let us not become conceited and provoking one another and envying one another. The Spirit-led person no longer tries to earn their salvation part of the context of this, by striving in vain to keep the law. So do we do away with the law? Absolutely not. And the scriptures tell us that. No, we don't do away with the law. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So he walked as a perfect human. So he fulfilled everything because none of us could. For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, not one. For we have sinned in one part, we've sinned in them all, the scriptures tell us. But we don't do away with the law because that's the standard. But we certainly do need help in this walk. I mentioned again those first four. Partly because I mention it because of the rampant lust and sexual sin that we have in our society, which is nothing new. We read all the way back in Genesis that this sinful nature that includes natural and perverted forms of sexual sin in those first four among married and single persons. But by the help of the Holy Spirit, even in these and the rest of these, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to give in to this passion. We don't have to give in to this lust. God's best is for us to wait until we're married. And I would say that to the teenagers and the youth. You don't have to look and say, well, the world, everybody's doing it. But you don't have to. Those who are led by the Spirit, we don't want to walk in the things of the flesh. That's what he's telling us. I mentioned the word practice. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And just be reminded, be reminded that to be tempted is not sin. To be tempted is not sin. But if you practice such things, then you've already given in to the temptation. The scripture also, and I emphasize it, I'm going to say it again, it says that, reminds us that our flesh must be crucified. Every time we have communion, we don't re-crucify Jesus. Hebrews tells us that he was crucified once and for all. So he don't get re-crucified, but I want to suggest to you, when we come to communion, we ought to consider getting re-crucified because we are to be crucified, this flesh to be crucified. And so, Lord, I, I give my life to you and remind you that Jesus said, take up your cross. How often? Daily. Take up the cross daily. Deny yourself. Take up the cross and then follow me. So we need crucifying in order that we might receive his spirit in all the fullness. Walk in the spirit. He says, and do not fulfill the things of the flesh. 
The fruit of the Spirit is singular, signifying that all nine, all nine are just natural and normal results of life in the Spirit. These qualities stand in stark contrast to the works of the flesh. So you and I can say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to fill me. I ask you to come into my heart and life. And I want this to be inside of me, this type of fruit to be in my life. We read earlier from Luke eleven thirteen. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is instantaneous, but and and must be continuous. You that, that's important in our theology of understanding that in the day of Pentecost, it says that and suddenly, I like that phrase, and suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon them. And so the work of God's Spirit in your life and mine is instantaneous, but it must be. It must be continuous because we are continuing to be sanctified and developed even into entire sanctification. And the Holy Spirit is the one who can do that. And so that Luke eleven thirteen is so simple that even Harvey Beck could understand it. How much more shall my Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? When's the last time you asked God to fill you with His Spirit? Who are you walking with? Who are you walking with? Do you daily choose to walk in the Spirit? You all know I've used this phrase before. If you're just walking with yourself, you know yourself thinks it knows more than you do. That's why we get into trouble. That's why we need to be walking in the Spirit. So as you come to communion, I want you to ask for two things today. Consider. Maybe you always ask for these. When you come to communion, ask God to forgive you but also ask Him to fill you. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank You for this table. God, I've only shared in about 15 minutes. I know it's far-reaching more than what I can explain as a human. We must experience Your grace. Your divine grace through forgiveness, but also Your divine grace to want to put Your Spirit within us. God, help us have the freedom and the faith to ask for forgiveness, but ask to be filled. Bless this, your table. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.